Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number one of Genesis chapter two. We're going to be reading the first few verses. Genesis two, beginning in verse one. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created in me. And I'll stop reading there. Now we are starting this new chapter, chapter 2, after going verse by verse through chapter 1, wherein we saw that God created the heavens and the earth. And he tells us that here in verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And in saying thus, it's really picking up from the previous chapter that laid all that out. And now, entering into chapter 2, God is summarizing what he had already done in the first chapter. And one thing we should notice is that Genesis 2, 1 uses the plural word heavens, or the translators translated actually the same Hebrew word that was in Genesis 1, 1. Let me read that. Genesis 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's singular. And yet, in the Hebrew, there's no difference between Genesis 1-1 and the word heaven and this word in Genesis 2-1 where it's translated heavens. And it's identical in every way. The same Hebrew consonants, the same Hebrew vowel pointing. It's a plural word. Here, for whatever reason, the King James translators translated it correctly in the plural. But, as we mentioned before, they did not translate it into plural in Genesis 1-1 and many other places. But anyway, this is correct. The heavens and the earth were finished, and God finished them after six days. He worked, he labored for six days. And it, it really, it, it, it wasn't necessary for God to work six days. That is, it didn't require God or or absolutely demand of God that he work six days to create the heavens and the earth. He did it intentionally. He, he did it very intentionally because he wanted to already teach through the creation two important things that you work for a period of time, six days, and then comes the seventh day in which you rest. And, and so God, um, took his time. He would create, uh, would, which as far as we know, as he spoke and 
the creation of the heavens and the earth would would uh, be in effect that they would be there through the word that he had spoken it didn't take a full 24 hours to to do anything that he done on uh, he had performed on any single day of the creation the lord could have in other words created everything that we read in the first chapter uh, immediately instantaneously all at once it could have all been there yet he very deliberately very intentionally created one thing one day another thing another day third day fourth day through six days and then he completed the creation it says here the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them and that's a very well-chosen word by God. The heavens and the earth were finished. In verse 2 of Genesis 2, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. The word ended in verse 2 is the same word as finished in verse 1 it's it's a strong emphasis i have finished the work i have finished the work now no more work will be done it's the seventh day and and the lord will uh institute a law that uh, is in place from the beginning of creation six days you work seventh day you rest in order to teach a very important, a very special truth, and and that is that um, the seventh-day Sabbath instructs us and is designed by God to teach us that we are to rest in Christ's finished work for salvation. We are to not think that we can contribute or add in any way the least bit of our own work, our own labor. And, of course, that's the problem with multitudes of Gospels today. They add the work of, of accepting Christ or coming down an aisle or saying a sinner's prayer or being baptized or partaking of the Lord's table or being in right standing with the church. Whatever it is, they add works to God's grace. And God is stressing already, already in in the early days of the creation. He is using the six days that he worked, the 144 hours that he worked to create as an opportunity to paint the picture that the seventh day is a time of Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. You must rest in Christ, trust in Christ for His work, and, and, uh, and of course, even that trust God gives the individual, but it is Christ's work of faith that has wrought salvation. And then, more than that, when we think of Christ's work of faith, we know the Bible teaches us that work was performed at the point of the world's foundation. 
That's when the Bible says Jesus was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And as we were discussing in our last study, or last couple of studies about Adam being formed of the dust of the ground and declared, called by God, the name Adam. He called his name. He was the son of God. And we saw how that tied in with Christ rising from the dead at the foundation of the world to be declared the son of God through the resurrection of the dead. Adam, being formed of the dust of the ground, becomes the son of God. And the dust uh, in the Bible, as God says, that man who comes from dust returns to the dust. Dust, therefore, connects to death. Adam's rising from the dust is a, 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 a historical parable of Christ who will rise from the dead. And already when Adam has been created, formed of the dust of the ground, and called God's son, as God called his name Adam, that within him is the woman. God counts the woman. He sees the woman. Adam is not alone according to God. In the day he made them, God calls them Adam. And and that's because it is pointing to the truth, the wonderful truth, that when Jesus did rise from the dead and was declared to be the Son of God, the woman, the bride of Christ, all those whose names were written in his book of life, the Lamb's book of life, were in him. And we see that same glorious truth and teaching in these verses of Genesis in chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. Okay, and God could have stopped there. But he goes on to say, and all the host of them, all the host of them, of the heavens and the earth. And we know the heavens, they're glorious, and they declare the glory of God. The the heavens contain the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the planets, and and all the host of them. But there was no need for God to add that phrase. He could have just finished the statement that thus the heavens and the earth were finished. But he does add it, and all the host of them. And uh, why does he add it? Well, when we look up the word host, we find it's a word that directs us primarily to God himself. He is Lord God of hosts. You know, that name of God, God of hosts or Jehovah of hosts, is used uh, about 265 times in the Old Testament. He is the Lord God of hosts, as it says in Psalm 24, and the finishing or concluding verse of that psalm, which is a, a psalm that testifies of God's glory, it says in verse 10 of Psalm 24, Who is this King of glory? Jehovah of hosts. He is the King of glory, Selah. God is Jehovah of hosts. 
well, who are the hosts that, that he is, uh, God over? And remember when Joshua met, um, the Lord Jesus, as Jesus appeared to him in the form of a man, in the form of the captain of Jehovah's host. It says in Joshua chapter five, he, he came unto Joshua at, as Joshua was going to lead the Israelites into the land of Canaan, the promised land, to uh, conquer the land. And here comes um, the captain of Jehovah's host to meet with him. And, and that captain was Christ, just as Jehovah of hosts is Christ. And yet, who are the hosts? Well, the hosts... If we look up that word, is used many times to refer to Israel's army, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, are identified as the host of God. It says in Exodus, in Exodus seven, and in verse four. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth mine armies. The word armies is the same Hebrew word translated as host. Bring forth mine host, and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. It's used also in Exodus 12, when God does finally bring them out. It says in Exodus twelve seventeen, um, in about the middle of the verse, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. The word armies is host, and it's referring to Israel of old, uh, the historical people Israel that were delivered by God out of Egypt that had previously been uh, enslaved in cruel bondage to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But God delivered them by sending Moses to be the deliverer, and Moses worked the miracles of God uh, by the power of God in Egypt, and all Israel was set free. And the Israelites that came out of Egypt, became Jehovah's host, his army. Well, the host of God, the Israelites, are a picture of who? It's a clear picture, too, of spiritual Israel, everyone that God would save and release, deliver captive, uh, previously held captive by Satan and, and to sin. They were freed by the gospel, freed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and whom the Son of Man sets free shall be free indeed. God's people, freed by salvation, become the host that God himself is Lord over. He is Lord God of hosts. Remember that tremendous picture, that fearful picture that God gives us in the book of Revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ upon his white horse and and he's coming with whom? 
to bring judgment to the world. He's coming with an army that are also upon white horses. It says in Revelation 19, in verse 12, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And since earlier it says uh, concerning the fine linen in verse 8 of the same chapter, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The armies which were with Christ and followed him upon white horses were the children of God, the saints, those made holy by the blood of Christ, covered by his righteousness. They are the armies of heaven or the host of heaven. And Christ is Lord God of hosts. He's over his army, an army that he built, that he put together by dying for each and every one of them, dying for their sins, bearing their sins, and thus delivering them from their sin and from bondage to Satan, translated out of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, and into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God's dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the hosts that the Bible is making reference to. I I think we can be pretty sure of this. In Genesis 2, in verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. The host of them. There's no need for God to make that statement, but he wants us to know that when he finished the heavens and the earth, that he finished the host of them. That is, yes, he he created the physical creation that has the celestial bodies, but more than that, more than that, when he performed his work, his work of salvation, his atoning work, from the foundation of the world, then he's already made mention. He he's already directed our attention to that finished work by telling us early in Genesis chapter one that uh, he made the light uh, without yet making the light bearers, the sun, moon, and stars, and by directing our attention to it through the formation of the man Adam, and counting the woman as being in Adam. And and so too, by the use of the word finished in association or in a connection with the host of heaven. Because what does God tell us in Hebrews that he finished? What did God finish? Well, Hebrews 4 tells us in verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, 
as I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest. Now, uh, that's significant, that God is speaking of the seventh-day rest. Why? Why? That would direct our attention back to Genesis 2, to what we're reading. Remember, the second verse goes on to say, On the seventh day God ended his work, he finished his work, the same word finished as in verse 1, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. A big point is being made and, and emphasized to us. God finished the work. God finished the work. Now rest. Now rest. The work is finished. It ended. And and God finished it. Well, in Hebrews 4, that same emphasis comes up in relationship to the seventh day Sabbath or rest. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although... The works were finished the seventh day, on the seventh day of the the creation week. Does it say that in Hebrews 4, verse 3? No, it doesn't say that. We would expect God to say that. that. Historically, that's how it happened. Six days he worked, seventh day he rested. He finished the work. But here, notice... Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. In other words, God is tying together the six days of work to create the heavens and the earth to the work that the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished at the point of the world's foundation and and Jesus did the work of faith, the work of saving, the work of dying for the sins of his people, of making payment. He performed the work of satisfying the law's demands for all iniquity that these chosen ones, these uh, uh, blessed elect individuals would ever commit in their lives. Christ did all the work and in doing all the work in making complete and full payment and in dying the death for them in their stead and then rising from the dead to be declared the Son of God, through that resurrection, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. The work of God was finished. All the hosts of them were complete. As, keep in mind how God likens the stars to the believers. Uh, they shall shine with the brightness of the firmament. He likens the stars to the believers when he said to Abraham, Thy seed will be as the stars of the heavens for multitude. And in essence, when Christ died as the Lamb from the foundation of the world, he put the stars into the sky, into the heavens. He established the heavens, the spiritual heavens 
of God's elect, he established the gospel lights. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. All the host of them were finished. The work was finished from the foundation of the world. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.